that's the hardest thing to do in a college setting because we don't we don't ever get a long enough uninterrupted block of time to truly, truly, truly go all in and attack hypertrophy. Because those guys, those guys still have to be able to do the field work and sprint and play and do those things. And like, trust me, you're hitting huge, huge volume, lower body training. And then I got to go out and sprint. Those two things ain't going together very well. Right. So it's it's always balanced out that fine line because we do got to chase a lot of different qualities with these guys. And so it's, it's finding the balance in, in, in building all those different things. And you know, it's different. You get guys coming in, you'd be shocked the amount of guys that come into programs that did not lift growing up. Like, we all grew up on WWF wrestling and Rocky and, and movies like that, right? You know, every yeah. a, every action movie star was <laughs> balled up and it was Arnold and Stallone. And, like, so you grew up – all of us grew up as young boys. Be like, that's what I need to be. That's what I want to be. Yeah. Look around now. That doesn't exist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It's Just Bodybuilding. Of course, myself, Big Ron Partlow, Dusty Hanshaw, our producer, Scott McNally. And on today's show, a special guest, Florida State Seminole strength and conditioning coach, Josh Storms. How's it going, Josh? Good, man. Appreciate you guys having me on today. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it is cool to have you. Um, you guys got the spear on the side of your helmet, right? Yeah, sir. Sure do. One and only. That's what, yeah, well, that, we, we had the spear on my helmet in high school. So, uh, you know, how all the high school teams always, you know, they use the same stickers that you guys use and, you know, change the colors or something, but yeah, yeah. So I always recognized that and thought that was cool. So, yeah, no, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty iconic. That's for sure. That's one of the, one of the things about coming to a place like this is just that, that history in a place like this is a little bit different than, than a lot of the, a lot of other, you know, universities. Yeah. You're at one of the football schools that people who don't know football know of. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, the, the legacy that is built here through the, you know, especially through the all through the '90s, which for you know we're all probably pretty close in age. Like through us growing up, I mean, this this place finished in the top four for 15 consecutive years. You know, that's pretty unprecedented and probably will never be seen again. Well, that was the uh, that was <clears throat> it was funny. So, uh, for those of you who who don't know, because you wouldn't, um, I actually was Josh's neighbor in Scottsdale for a few years uh, when he was out uh, working with ASU. And uh, that's how we actually met. And then literally I was on Instagram the other day and I saw, I don't know how all these years later, the way Instagram works, but I realized he was in Florida, which of course that's where Nikki graduated college. So she's an immediate fan, but she she was there in the heyday too. So 99 or 98 to 2001. So she told okay. me she needs them back to that those kind of days. If you could just handle that for her, that'd be perfect. No big deal. <laughs> Working work on it. Win two Working out of the three years. It's a progress. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was the first question I had was, uh, so a lot of people who I told you were coming on here, their first question was, how do you get that job? Which obviously is a long story, but what was your story to uh, the progression? And, and I mean, all the way down to, we don't even understand do you go interview? Do they call you? Or are you like a, are you scouted? How's that work? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, kind of go back to the beginning a little bit. I mean, this is going all the way back, you know, you know, growing up playing the game, uh, played tight end at the university of South Dakota, um, had a short injury plagued, unremarkable college football career in my time there. And, uh, you know, by the time it was all said and done, I'd really, I'd spent more time, you know, training and preparing to play the game that I ever spent playing the game. 
And, um, you know, but still, like, love the sport, knew, like, professionally, like, I always want to be involved with the game, but, like, I did not want to be a football coach. It just never, never appealed to me at all. And then, you know, so initially I was like, well, you know, I want to, want to go to a PT school and realize, like, that, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I was like, well, maybe, you know, I want to stick with athletes. Maybe I want to be an athletic trainer. And saw it for, like, my freshman year of college. That, that definitely wasn't the path I wanted either. Well, through this whole time, training had always been, like, ever present, such a huge piece of my deal. Like, you know, I was a super tall, skinny kid growing up. And, like, for me, training was my only chance at all to do anything at all with athletics. And as I got closer and closer to the end of my career, I started realizing, like, this is probably my path, you know? And this is all the way back to, like, the late 90s when really, like, this profession was still very, very, like, obscure, you know? Hmm. There's still, you know, like, even for us, like, our strength coach was our D-line coach. So it wasn't a lot of places that were, you know, now it's such a standard thing and the money and the staffs and the resources and the facilities. It wasn't like that then. And uh, I saw like a uh, ESPN piece on like outside the lines one day on like the summer program. I think it was at like UCF or somewhere like that. I'm like, man, there's, there's guys out there doing this. Like this is like a real job job. This is a profession. And so I kind of decided like, that's what I wanted to chase. And uh, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of dumb luck in my story that kind of got me to where I'm at. So, you know, I knew I needed to get experience. So I had experience as a player, but I'm like, I got to go learn this, the, the coaching and the programming, like for real. And so spent the summer at a, a private facility in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was in, conju- in conjunction with Sioux Valley Hospital. And a guy named Steve Bliss was the guy that ran that program. Well, it turns out Steve Bliss was part of Boyd, Ep- Boyd Epley's original crew from Nebraska that started college strength and conditioning. And he was the first ever strength coach at the University of Miami, the first ever strength coach at Ohio State University. And then when I met Steve, he was kind of on the you know end of his college career, into the private sector stuff. So I had that guy as a mentor like early on that kind of taught me like what it was. And so, you know, once again, just just by dumb luck, fell into meeting Steve. And then, you know, went back, finished my next semester at school, knew I needed to do an internship to, to graduate and to get the rest of my credits and whatnot. And uh, once again, not necessarily going about the smartest way, I sent out two resumes. I sent one to the Kansas City Chiefs, one to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, actually ended up interviewing for both of them, got offered both of them, uh, grew up a Vikings fan, took that job with the Vikings, uh, went there spring break that year, stayed in the extended stay hotel, and worked OTAs, went back, finished the spring semester, USD moved back up there in the summertime to work their full off season. Uh, end of that off season, that turned into uh, they kept me on the paid position throughout the season. So that was like 2000, 2001. So that was uh, you know Dennis Green's last season there. You know that was you know Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss, Chris Carter. You know, nice. so some of my first my first coaching experience was actually being around like guys I grew up like idolizing on the field. You know, so like you got like you got to grow up professionally real quick in that setting because you can't go there and be a fanboy because at that point you're not a coach anymore. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah, so I learned right. that early on. And then, you know, so we get fired then to that season. And I knew I, I knew I still need to go to grad school, get my master's degree, those things. And the bad part about that NFL deal was I, I developed zero college network whatsoever by going there. Hmm. So now here we are at the end. I'm like, okay, I know what my next step is. I got no idea on earth how to reach my next step. And so I actually ended up at a couple different grad schools and actually I'm going to UNLV. And the one and only reason I went to UNLV was we had some players with the Vikings at that time that spent their off seasons training with Mark Phillippe, which is a name you guys probably recognize from world's strongest man back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of those guys have told me, they're like, listen, man, if you really want to coach, you really want to learn how to do this, train athletes, like you got to go work for Mark. Like there's nobody better out there doing it. That's who you need to go learn from. So literally this is, you know, pre-internet days. So I had to find the guy's phone number, you know, through school directories and stuff and reach out to him and, but, you know, he basically told me, he's like, yeah, if you want to come out, you know, you can help out for free. So my wife and I get married seven days later, load all of our shit up, move to Vegas. She doesn't, she doesn't have a job yet. 
I have nothing other than an opportunity to work in the weight room for free. And literally nobody in either of our families was like, hey, pump the brakes. This is a really bad <laughs> idea. They're, they're just like, yeah, you guys will be great. You'll figure it out. And off we went. And so at one point out there, y'all, I'm working in the weight room. I'm going to grad school classes. At one point, I had three jobs on top of that, sleeping in my truck in the middle of the day, trying to catch a nap. Like it was, I mean, the, the process is wild. I mean, I was working at uh, Las Vegas National Golf Club in the pro shop. I don't even golf. But like it was the only job I could get that started so early in the morning that I could work full-time hours and get benefits and be done with that job by the time my day on campus started. Wow. So I was right. lucky most of our most of our teams wow. there were in the afternoon. So like I would get done at the golf course in the morning, head over to school. I was taking like a handful of classes, paying out of pocket, and then working away from the afternoon. And so then eventually um, I got a GA spot in the ex-phys department there. And then shortly thereafter, so I was able to get rid of one of the other jobs I had, but still doing the other piece. And then um, had a restricted earnings position opened up in the weight room. So then I was able to get rid of all the jobs. So I was working in the weight room. I had five teams, still helping with football, still helping with basketball, uh, full-time in, in class load, plus working in the ex lab on campus. And rolled to that for probably about a year. And there's a lot of bumping heads with that, with the academic side of things and the athletic side of things. And, you know, it became a deal where they eventually pulled my GA position from me because I wasn't spending enough time in the lab, which every in the lab was hanging out, checking the fantasy baseball teams. Meanwhile, I was the only person in our program who was actually doing the job they're going to school to go do. And they just, they could right. never make that deal link up. So gave up that GA spot and like overnight, everything was better, man. Like animosity with professors was better. It cleaned up my plate a ton. And then what Mark was doing was kind of feeding me a bunch of like youth baseball players. They're paying cash to train to help me offset the money I lost up the GA spot. So I was actually making more money by losing the GA spot than I was when I had it. So uh, right. stayed in that role there for about two, about two and a half years. Um, end of 2004, uh, got hired by Joe Kent at Arizona State. And then um, from that point on, I was at Arizona State for 11 seasons. So I was there for four ADs, three head coaches, a couple different head strength coaches. Um, each of those staffs turned over. I was able to be retained and able to elevate my position. And then finally, when we left there in 15, I was our top assistant for football. And then uh, left that position to go be the head strength coach at the University of Memphis. Uh, spent four years there, uh, played for three conference championships, won one of them, and then came here to Florida State in 2020. So that's like 20 years in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. It's, I, I love hearing the intro, though, because it's something that we, all of us coach um, athletes who are competitive but also want careers in the industry. So it's something I push on all the time. It's like you got to do every hustle you can so that you can do this big goal it isn't paying and, it, you and, know what i mean and 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 the for yeah. free the for free thing like you know everyone wants to be a coach in our industry and nobody wants to do any of that like internship stuff you know yeah and, and, uh, and we, well, we, we see this, it we see it see it all the time like you got guys like oh you know i, I need a paid position i'm like you don't know how to fucking coach what am I going to pay you for? Like I got, jan I got janitors to clean the facility. Like that's all you're qualified to do right now. Wow. You got to pay your dues. You got to learn. Like you learn from it. You don't learn from books. You, you, you need that basis, but you learn from experience. You learn from the coaching reps having the floor from mentors above you getting exposed to it until you've racked up enough hours, enough experience doing that. You're not really worth being paid the money. And you know, cause like no one's going to just trade your time for money in this business. You gotta be able to provide a value in coaching. If you want to get paid for coaching. You know, and just right. when it, it takes time and, and the path is the path. When you, when you, you know, what, when did you kind of finally realize that you'd, you'd made your, your, your dream a reality? 
man, I mean, there's days where I honestly don't know if I even feel like that yet, you know, because you, you got yeah. it. I mean, it's it's nose to the grindstone, head down, <laughs> and like this this profession doesn't take it. You you don't get afforded many opportunities. To, like, peek your head up and look around and look what you've done. You know what I mean? Because right. when you do that, that's when that's when you get passed by. You know what I mean? Like you got to stay stay down, be concealed behind your cover, and stay hidden and keep working. As soon as you poke your head up and look around, man, that's when you get shot. You know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> you gotta you gotta dig in and stay at it. And I think as soon as you do that, you feel like, oh, I've made it. Look what I've done. Look where I'm at. You look at the logo on my chest. Trust me. The moment that happens, not just one other person. Many people they're getting better than you. They're passing you by. And you don't even know it. Huh. What what are um. I mean, we've all been coached and we all remember the coaches that changed our lives because I remember the coaches that changed my life. So do you ever stop and think of those guys like, you know, when you're in the process of coaching and you have decisions to make, do you ever think like the coaches that you look up to, how would they handle this situation? You know, do you still take stuff from them after all these years? Yeah, you know, there's, uh, I fall on both sides of that. Um, I look at the coaches that should that help me, help mentor me, help change my life. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of times I look at what I needed from a coach and did not get. Hmm. And then can I right. be that guy that can can see that in that kid to pull that out of that kid or, you know, put that arm around him when he needs it or put my foot in his ass when he needs it that maybe a coach didn't do for me when there was times when I knew I needed it as a kid and could do it on my own. Like, can I be that guy? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And there's certain situations I'll look back like, you know, like how would a Mark have handled this or how would, you know, Ben or House or Grizz or one of these guys, how would they have handled the situation? You know what I mean? But lots of times, I, you know, I got to look at like, what, what's this guy need? Like hmm. the, the fear of letting a kid slip through the cracks, you know? Right. And like, that's kind of the, the motivating thing that drives someone with how you handle situations and, and, and whatnot is kind of looking at like, What's what's the biggest need right now, and not letting those things pass you by? Can you can you give me That's, or can you give us examples maybe? Because I think a lot of a lot of our listeners, well, all of our listeners, are coming from the fitness side of things, the bodybuilding side of things. But we can definitely relate. You know, all all of us are are training in the gym. Um, when you say what somebody needs, like what an individual needs, and I guess it's kind of a hard question to ask without giving you like a specific situation. But can you talk a little bit about that? About like, I guess reading reading the athletes in in figuring out how to coach them. Yeah, it, well, you, you nailed it. It's 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 reading athletes. It's it's building relationships and knowing people, right? And it's like my setting's a little bit different, probably than where you guys are at and a lot of your listeners. Like, you know, our kids that come sign here that are going to play here for whatever it is, two, three, four, five years guess what? I'm not going anywhere. Like they're, they're married to me for that period of time. Whereas maybe in the private sector or whatever, like if you got a, an athlete doesn't like working with you, they're just going to go find a different coach. So like I have, I have my, my discipline, I have a captive audience right <laughs> now. Mm -hmm. Now I, I, I could abuse that and treat those guys however the hell I want. And they're still stuck with me either way. But as I make my program successful, probably not. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's developed those relationships over time. So like I can see it on a kid, like when he walks in the door, like, yo, cause I see him every single day in person. You know what I mean? Like that's the unique thing about a college strength coach. I got access to my guys year round. Yeah. So you get to know these kids mm -hmm. really, really well. I mean, it's even simply just the way a kid walks in the room, the way a kid approaches the rack, kind of the way his training's been going and like, this kid's going through some shit right now. Hmm. You know what I mean? Is it, is he not living right outside the building? Cause I mean, we were all in college, right? And that's, that's part of it too, is just learn how to be on your own. And there's lifestyle stuff that goes along with it and how to balance those things out. Or is he going through stuff at home? And like, you know, our guys come from every background you can possibly imagine from as 
affluent and privileged as it possibly gets all the way to lower lows than you even imagined existed. Right. And mm-hmm. yet we all come together here with the same logo and the same goals and all that. So like, it's my job. I got to learn those guys. Right. And be able to see the moments when guys, something seems off. And sometimes it's something good. Like, man, this guy's been on with lately. Like what's going on? Find out. Oh, well coach, like this happened or that happened or, or whatever it may be. And like, man, they're kids. They go through so much shit that you don't realize. You know what I'm saying? Cause like, you know, we're here, we're locked in, we're doing the job. Well, these guys, man, they got fa- they got families at home. They're still eighteen to twenty two years old. The pressure of being, you know, a high profile, you know, figure on campus. Sure. The positive, the positive and negative social media attention that's so real to them that comes along with that. Whereas, like us as adults, sometimes like, man, just delete the fucking app till after the season. Don't worry about it. But like to them, that's a, right. that, that's real and that's communication and that's connection and like that's hard for them to separate that. So if you have a bad night on Saturday and people are hammering you on that, that's that's a real deal stress that they, that they have to deal with, and it's so much more than what that, what we all had to at that same age, you know. And so oh, for sure. we always gotta be we always gotta be in the role like looking at all these things, taking all that into consideration, trying to find where these guys are at at all times. And so it's just to me, it's like it, you're staying ever vigilant on that front to not let them slip by. So when you see that kid that is struggling, man, acknowledge it. Don't just like uh, he'll snap out of it. No, man, we got we got to like talk to him and address that before it gets worse. Maybe we have a hand to make it better. And maybe if we don't have that super tight relationship with that guy, I know who in the program does. And maybe I see this in this kid and they don't. Hey, you might need to put your hand around so-and-so, man. They got this going on or that going on. Or, man, they got something going on. I don't know what it is. Maybe you can find out, though. So it takes a lot of us to help kind of like, you know, raise these kids and take care of these kids within this program to keep them moving forward because they all come here with goals, right? And as much as the, the, the you know, whatever, being All-American here and going to the NFL, boy, there's a lot of steps, a lot of dominoes that got to fall along the way to make that happen. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how much did they prepare you for all that? Was there like a whole bunch of psychology courses in your in your, uh, in your your college uh, years coming up? Because that sounds <laughs> I figured, like I figured. exactly, exactly <laughs> what I expected. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it, it's just, and that's where, then that's where it goes back to like, you know, everyone wants to get paid for this and make all this money early on because like, well, I know programming. Great. You read books. Like, tell me about the other stuff. Hmm. You know, can you figure that, can you, yeah. can you build relationships? Can you, can you be that consistent presence in these guys' life? Cause that's one of the things most of these young guys have, have coming in that they have in common that they all lack is those consistent, especially consistent male figures in their life. And so can we provide that model that? Cause if there's, if there's one thing these guys can take away from, you know, being coached by me for these years is, is the importance of the, of doing the work and the consistency that comes along with it and the accountability that comes along with it, because that stuff is going to carry over every aspect of their life. Right. Everybody says, Oh, we want to make these guys better men for life. Well, if all I do is get you to squat 600 pounds, like, Trust me, that's not making you a better man in life. But the lessons you had learned along the way to do those things, and the consistency it took, and the hard work it took, and those things, the resiliency and all that, those are the things that make you a better man. And can you can you make those things connect along the way? Hell yeah, that's cool. Right, that's cool. That's such a great time too, if you think about it, to get to coach somebody. You're taking these kids. I mean, because they're still basically kids. You're talking like you know, by the time you're 18 or so. You're still not completely done growing, but you're at a point you can start putting on a whole hell of a lot of muscle, a lot of strength. I bet you run into a lot of people that don't even, and plus not only that, these people are, most of them are going to be kind of on the genetic elite side if they're, if they're playing college ball. I bet you run into some of these guys that don't even know what they're capable of when they first walk in the weight room. 
Oh, there's, that's, there's no question. Um, even our guys who are like your lower level, like walk on type players, you know, guys just have to be on the roster, hope to find a role. Yeah. If you go compare mm-hmm. those, even if you take those guys, the average dude on the street, those right. guys are freaks. Right. And then when you get, when you get to, when you get to our upper level guys, those guys are goons, man. Like, <laughs> like they, they, re, they respond to everything, especially at that age. You know what I mean? Cause we'll get some kids that come in the door, you know, that are, you know, whatever you get a kid who's, you know, whatever he's, you know, he's, he's six, one, six, two, two fifteen. you know, sub 5% body fat, strong. And you find out he's never even really trained before. Right. And he right. eats like shit. Yeah. And you know, yeah. uh, you know, 18 months later, that kid's 245 and he's still as lean and he's a 600 pound squadron. He's all these things. It's like, and it's fun because you do, you get those guys, you get those, you know, those young, those newbie gains that we all got once upon a time. And then as you get a guy that's been in your program for three, four, five years, then you got to start to adapt. And you know, the thing is like, you know, we're always going to chase athleticism, but you know, obviously the, you know, the, the form will follow the function. So if we're training for the function, the form, the form will follow. Right. right. So that, I asked a, I asked for some questions from a few uh, people that I that I that I knew would be very interested. I didn't really just go out to the masses because I didn't know where they'd go with it. But some of them were really good. So I was curious, like, what does a typical workday look like for you? Uh, kind of depends what time. Yeah, kind of depends what time of year it is, and that's the one thing that's unique about this job is like you know the in season is very very different from the winter program. Winter program is different from spring ball. Spring ball is very different from the summer program. Summer is different than camp. So it all kind of depends what what you know what time of year it is. Um, kind of right now, like let's just say like a, a standard Tuesday, right? Because Mondays are mm-hmm. Mondays our players' day off. That's our day that we can kind of get caught up on. A little more stuff in the office, some programming, just caught up on life before we get dug back into football tomorrow. Um, you know, so I'll be in. I'll be in the building by you know five five thirty ish. We'll have our newcomer group. They'll train before practice in the morning. So that developmental group, they'll come in. They'll train. Uh, they'll have time after that. They'll be able to eat. Uh, you know, get dressed, get ready, meetings meetings transitions out to practice you know we'll get practice started uh you know pre-practice stretch and then like during practice a lot of times we'll have we'll have guys who are you know return to play type guys or working with getting those guys back off injury and things like that uh once practice is done we'll have our our one of our veteran groups will lift immediately after practice uh that group will come in those guys will train and then you know typically by about 1 ish like we don't have more groups necessarily on the calendar to train outside maybe a guy with a class conflict or something like that um time to eat regroup we'll train get organized get prepped for the next day and then be out of here so like this time of year we're out of here pretty consistent time of day usually i'm home at night by 5 30 or 6 so like typically i'd say like you're around our average day in the building is about 12 hours um season's a little bit different because like for the seven months that once the season starts we're here seven days a week you know we have a bye week this week right. and i had a couple of days off so like i got like about two and a half days off this week those will be the only days off from the time camp started until the time we finish um, and that's just part of it. It's what you sign up for, you know? Right. Um, and then once you know, then you get into the, you know, you get into the winter program. Well, then our training takes a way bigger piece of the pie. So then we'll have, you know, three to four groups a day. Each of those groups is an hour and a half to two hours. So you might rack up anywhere from six to eight hours a day of literally on the floor coaching, you know, cause we're working around class schedules. Maybe we're training by position group, kind of depending on what time of year it is. And then whether we're on a, you know, a three, four five day a week split, depending on kind of what phase we're in kind of dictates where we're at with that kind of stuff during that time of year. That's, I mean, just Man. listening to this is like a dream as a, as a coach to just yeah. sit around and formulate programs for elite athletes and time them out. So in the offseason, for example, um, how do you measure performance with these guys in the gym? Is it very typical to everything? Or, and, you know, how, how do you ramp that up 
depending on the the uh, schedule you've got put together. Yeah, um, I mean, like going back to the beginning, of that it's it's awesome because I, I have myself, I got four other full time guys on my staff, and this is this is all we do. So I mean, you kind of have an available think tank of guys to bounce ideas off of at, at all times. You know what I mean? Like my office, like my window this way is directly into into the weight room, and the stadium is directly out the other side. You know, um, and like I said, awesome. you sit formulate all day. You can you can see the board over there. That's all oh, yeah. in season programming stuff up, and it nice. never ends. Um, but so you'll get to the off season, you know, it kind of depends where guys are at. Like when those guys are younger in their development, like the goal is what you got to get fucking strong. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll still yeah. like, we'll, like we'll, we'll still, we, we still test one rep maxes. You know what I mean? So like, you know, back, back squat, bench, power clean, the, and then the auxiliary movements to build those things. And then, you know, once again, along with all your other like key performance indicators, you know, your vertical jump, your broad jump, you know, your acceleration, your speed stuff. And that's all, you know, that's, all, those are all your, you know, your kind of standards. But now let's say you get to the, the upper level guys in your program, the elite guys, the guys who have been through that process. Now we start, we'll start looking at some different things with those guys as far as what dictates progress. You know, so if I got a, mm-hmm. you know, I got a uh, linebacker and, you know, he's a, whatever, he squats 615. Okay, just think about a kid in mind. Okay, well, this offseason, can I get that kid to, you know, 635, 645? I'm probably. Does, is that mm-hmm. going to make him any better at football at that point? Hmm. Probably not, right? So now, now what are you looking at? Now you're looking at how's that kid move? What's his rate of force development look like? You know, if I can get that guy to still squat the exact same amount, but now I'm moving it at, say, a faster meters per second on a tendo unit, that bar speed's faster, huh. now you can convince me that made him better at football. Okay. So, but right. once again, that's maybe not the that's maybe not the worry early on a guy's career. You got to get strong. You got to get strong before you got to worry about being fast, right? And for a lot of our young right. guys coming in, it's building it's 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 building lean muscle mass, and that's the hardest thing to do in a college setting because we don't we don't ever get a long enough uninterrupted block of time to truly, truly, truly go all in and attack hypertrophy. Huh. Because those guys, those guys still have to be able to do the field work and sprint and play and do those things. And like, trust me, you're hitting huge, huge volume lower body training, and then I got to go out and sprint. Those two things ain't going together very well, right? So right. It's, it's always balanced out that fine line because we do got to chase a lot of different qualities with these guys. And so it's it's finding the balance in, in in building all those different things. And you know, it's different. You get guys coming in, you'd be shocked the amount of guys that come into programs that did not lift growing up. Like we all grew up on. WWF wrestling and Rocky and and movies like that, right? You know, every yeah. a, every action movie star was <laughs> balled up, and it was Arnold and Stallone, and like so. You grew up, all of us grew up as young boys, be like, that's what I need to be. That's what I want to be. Yeah. Look around now; that doesn't exist. So you get a lot of guys who haven't right. even put their hand on a bar until they come to college, which is crazy. It also goes to show, going back, those guys are genetic freaks. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, the talent level is so high. So then, if I can, if I can, if I can get their physical preparation, their physical skills to to eventually line up where that talent level is, that's how you're building successful guys in the field. So yeah, they they made it sure. through they made it through high school ball as elite players simply on foot speed and agility, real no real strength yeah. uh, development at all in the gym, and here they are in college and they're that's learning incredible. how to squat. Yeah, that's yeah, incredible. and a lot, a lot, and a lot. Yeah, in a lot of cases, on a full scholarship. That's super true. <laughs> no doubt. Yep. Yep. And they just because they it's were just, they were genetically we, in, in bodybuilding, we more advanced. We call these we call these people Phil Heaths. <laughs> just just bored yeah. with it. Bored, bored, bored so, on third base, man. I, yeah, it's uh, 
It's funny. You, you mentioned like, like when you were, you were mentioning the things that we grew up on, you know, I remember, I remember doing a most muscular pose because of Hulk Hogan. I didn't even know about bodybuilding. Yeah. Like I was doing the the flexing because of the wrestlers. Yeah. 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 You, You know? And, um, so I was wondering like, Nowadays with Instagram and social media and, you know, everything's, you know, the mainstream has swallowed up so much more stuff. And from our realm, our little like bodybuilding dark subculture over here, how much, how much do your players, like how much do they know about bodybuilding? Do like how many of them know who Ronnie Coleman is? How many of them know who big Rammy is like, I'm just wondering, has that changed over the years? Do you see more of it now because of Instagram? I, I just want to know what the overlap would be. You'll, you'll, you'll see some, it kind of depends on the guy. You know what I mean? We'll get some guys who purely <laughs> they're, they're football guys and the weight room is a tool to kind of like help, I guess, make me better out here. Supposedly, you know what yeah. I mean? They're not coming right. to be lifters, but you get some guys who you get some guys who are, there are weight room guys, there are meathead guys, and they may know more about a lot of stuff than you ever expect. You know, we have one of our old linemen uh, here that the other day was he brought up uh, uh, Kira Rickson, and uh, she works for Sorenex. She just set the uh, women's world record in the uh, in the axle deadlift. And he was talking about her, and I was like, yeah, actually, I, I know her. She's out of you know, a circle of friends of mine. And he's like, really? He, he's talking all about her, like follows her extensively. And it's like, if you know who Kira is and you know who Jazz Turnitin is, like, I never, ever would have thought those two Venn diagrams would cross ever in a million years, you know? So those right. guys will surprise you every now and then. And I think that your guys are like your legends, your, you know, your, your, your Ronnie Coleman, those guys, like, oh, Man, if you've if you've ever been away where you don't know who the hell lightweight baby is, man, like like you gotta you gotta you gotta go. <laughs> you got to go. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So how yeah, do you approach the the mental side with with these guys? I mean, you touched on if they're dealing with stuff, but is there a way that your coaching and the on the fields coaching kind of intertwines as far as you know, because I find with with even coaching our athletes, like like Ron mentioned earlier, most people have no idea what they're capable of, and you got to get that out of them. In that, I mean, even if you have them for three years, that's a short window to create the best version of someone and to allow them to take it forward. Like you said, whether it's in football or other things. So, how do you? And I, I know it's individual don't get me wrong but overall how do you approach building that mindset and get people to understand that like you said if you walk out on the field a loser then you're going to lose if you walk up to a bar and say it's heavy you're fucked so so how do you work with that side of it i think and and this probably goes i mean i think you guys probably with the award at this way or not would probably agree with it probably the number one most important thing we build in the weight room is not muscles it's confidence Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's putting those guys in situations that, that can push them to what they think their limits are. And and then they find, and then they find they're successful at it. And so then you can push them a little bit more the next time, a little bit more the next time. And in time they stack up enough of those successes that they start to, they start to feel that. And like, we'll see it here. You know, you get a kid who is a quiet guy in here and whatever goes by his work, gets better and better. Next thing you know, he's the first guy that also he's coming in, his shirt's coming off and stuff. He's looking himself in the mirror and shit. But you see that, like, that's a moment of confidence. Like that wasn't there six months ago. That wasn't there a year ago. And now you see that now. That tells you that the mm-hmm. confidence has been working and building. And then even from a leadership standpoint, you know, we talk about all the time, putting guys in situations to, you know, 
you got to have leaders if you want to be successful, right? Well, once again, just like whoever, whoever taught you how to be a leader, they didn't, right? Like you got to figure that out on your own. It's not easy. So, you know, we always try to talk about our guys and we kind of identify guys that are viewed as leaders, maybe in the locker room or guys that have leadership potential of putting them in situations to get what I call like leadership reps, you know, you want to be a 400-pound bench presser. You don't just throw four plates on and say, all right, let's see what happens. No, you've got to bench 135. you got to bench 225. It's time and reps and investment years to get there. Leadership's no different. So if I can take those guys and put them into really, really easy, teed-up leadership situations, even if it's simply just like in a warm-up and they're counting the cadence out. Hmm. Well, now i got that guy who at least is confident, confident enough to open his mouth in front of his teammates in the request of making them do something he wants them to do. That's pretty easy, right? Right. I'm the one counting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, now guys are used to listening to my voice. And you can build upon that. And you can build upon that. And you can build upon that. And eventually keep putting those guys in a little more challenging leadership positions, just like you would physically under the bar, until eventually you get to that end product that you're trying to create. That's awesome. It's I, funny because uh, that's I feel something like that, I, that I don't know how to do. You know, like I, I, thinking of that process is difficult. It, it seems like you're managing so many little steps of development for so many players all at once. That's what I'm, I'm just feeling like this chaotic spider diagram of you managing everybody's abilities all the time. And, you know, no, you can it, count it, today and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, it makes me yeah, think it, of it, it, what my coaches did for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it is. It's tough. You know, we got 125 guys on the roster, you know, anywhere from, you know, as a freshman, that might be 17 to a veteran guy that's 23, you know, and they're all in different places, not just physically, but but emotionally and, and maturity and stuff as well. So there's a lot of like, you got to try to find, a, find, you gotta find ways without lowering your standard to meet guys where they are and teach them how to pull up to that standard, you know, and, and that the having that standard and holding tight to that is everything. Cause as soon as you make deviations from that or exceptions for one guy or the other, then you have nothing. Right. And a lot of the stuff is team stuff that maybe doesn't carry over as much to the one-on-one like coach client relationship. But you know, there are certain things that I do believe in, like with the, the standard and the consistency and the expectations, and the accountability that have to be met. Because if you're not meeting those, then it does not matter what else you're accomplishing, right? Mm-hmm. I can get a team way stronger, way faster, but if we're not disciplined, we're not accountable, we don't know how to do it for each other, then we're fucked. I'm not doing my job. So, like, it's got to be all those things. And like I said, we spend a lot of hours here. We got, I got a great staff of guys around me to, to help pour into these guys. And I, and I know even being the boss, like, I have to be aware that I have blind spots. I can't see everything, right? And I also know that, you know, unlike being younger in this business when you're close to these guys' age, now that I'm older, like – they're going to give me sometimes in conversation a more curated view than what the truth may be. Right. And so even if a kid presents me one look, I got to trust my guys around me to be like, no, like, here's what I see. You know what I mean? And so I always, I always kind of view it. Like when we're looking at our, when we're looking at our team, like we all have a different window out of our office. Right. Well, on my side of the building, it's raining. Well, you look out of your window, coach, it ain't raining. Well, I can't just say you're wrong because you're not me. I got to take into account, like your view is different than my view. And so I got to make sure I take mm-hmm. a good look at your view and how that goes into the total package of what we got going on, whether that be in guys' development, how they're progressing in training, or even with like how a kid's developing emotionally within the program. You got to take all those different views into account because I can't just take that what I see is what I see, and that's that that's gospel, right? There's a lot of different mm-hmm. eyes in this program, but they all see what they see. They're all experienced in what they see. So it's my job then to take all that into into account and figure out what's really real and what needs to be addressed and pushed or pushed down or lifted up. Hmm. Can, can when you, when speak you came of, there, were you 
Were you given a, an opportunity to select some of the guys that work with you, or were they there, or how's that work? No, when when I, when I came here, I selected the entire staff. Um, okay, just with the the kind of situation of how the old staff turned over. Just there's a lot of things that go into it. But I knew coming here, I needed to come up with a completely fresh staff, um, and so that I was very very like. I, I view this job for me in a place like Florida State, like this may be the biggest, most high-profile job that I ever have in my career, right? right. I viewed this as this is my, my <laughs> one chance, my one chance only to get the shit right. And so right. I want to be really, really specific about the guys I brought in, what roles I need to be filled with my staff. I need other guys who knew were, that are going to be like you know a moral compass that is like mine, but able to get it through in their own way. I don't want a bunch of guys that are going to be like me, talk like me, act like me, because we're not going to be able to reach everybody. So I needed different guys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so in my staff, in my staff here, like you know, only on my on my four guys here, only one of them had, had I worked with prior to coming here. Um, and then the other three guys are guys that I went out and found and selected through, through relationships. And probably, I probably hurt some feelings along the way. I think when I got this job, there's probably some guys expected their phone to ring and it did not, you know what I mean? Because the worst, I think the worst mistakes Mm -hmm. that you can make is hiring, hiring your friends, hiring buddies. When lots of times if I'm looking at this guy that I know and this guy that I don't know, well, maybe the only opportunity, only advantage the guy has, I know is that I know him. Maybe he's, maybe the other guy's better. Right. And so, so Mm -hmm. I just, it's, once again, it's it's knowing people, trusting your read on someone's characteristics as a man and what they're what they're all about, and getting the right mix for what you need to get the job done. You know, and I feel really confident the guys I brought here, and I've been really fortunate is we've actually been able to keep that same that same the five of us that have been here since January seventh of twenty twenty all the way through till now. That's nice. awesome. I was, I was wondering how the retention worked. Yeah, can you speak? Yeah, of it's, it's tough. A it's specific. It's tough. Can you speak of a specific time? Like you must have a really great example of someone who came into your program, you know, maybe a lower level walk on guy or something like that. And his development took him all the way to being a starter or like someone that surprised him, like someone that surprised him. Yeah. Are there any sort of like, any sort of like unbelievable cases of just, you know, coming to life yeah. in the coaching program? Yeah, you know, we, we've, we, we've had a few of those guys. You know, we, we actually had a run, and we have some guys that are doing the same thing here now too, but we had a, we had a run with some guys at Memphis that came there as walk-ons and ended up being high NFL draft picks. You know, uh, really? Anthony Miller was a guy we had there, was a, was a local Memphis kid, uh, didn't, had no offers anywhere really, walked on, and just the – the competitive chip on Ant's shoulder. Like you, you always wonder about, oh, you know, is that guy a dog? Like, when you look up dog in the dictionary, it's a kid like this whose picture is next to that word, right? <laughs> and the, 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 the way that guy worked and the way that guy competed and the way that guy practiced and the way that guy loved football made him undeniable. He ended up being, he ended up being a consensus All-American in college and was uh, was a high second-round pick in the NFL when the Bears trained up to get him, you know? And so, like, you, you see stories like that. And then in a place like that where guys see those stories, you know, Calvin Austin was a wide receiver we had there that walked on that just got drafted by the Steelers this last year. Um, then we had several guys that followed that. And once guys see that modeled for them in a program, it starts to be, happen more. You know, we have a running back right now, uh, Trey Ward, who is, who, is, uh, who is leading the ACC in rushing the other week. Um, same thing. He was, a, he was a walk-on when we got here. And there's a guy that just the way he comes to work every day, what he pours in, how much it matters to him, it starts to come to fruition on the field. And you see that guy making plays, and the guy's playing scout team for us, you know, two years ago, giving our starting defense fits every day. And you're like, 
that guy's going to be a dude for us someday. No matter, no matter about the blue chip guy you're recruiting along the way, you start seeing the qualities like that and a guy like that who's just continuously working for it every day. Like those are the grinders. You know what I mean? And like you guys see it, I'm sure like in, you see it in bodybuilding too. The guy that will just, hey, this guy might be more gifted. Or this guy might be that. Or this guy was, you know, this guy's a Phil Heath. Fuck it. I will outwork that guy because it means that much more to me and you're not going to be able to deny me that. And like that's how they go about everything they do in every aspect of their life. And sooner or later, those guys become undeniable. Right. At the same time, That's, I could almost, I could imagine with every guy that is like that, there's also probably the opposite. I mean, these are gifted kids that in some cases are getting like a full ride and all these eyes are on them. They're the star. They're the, you know, like the big guy on campus. I imagine that, that there's some challenges in the opposite direction too. There is because what you'll get with, 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 with guys is, they're so damn gifted, right? From their mm -hmm. earliest age, as soon as they touched a ball, it didn't matter what sport it was in, they were the best guy. Yeah. And and, mm -hmm. and, and talent like that, like if you're a kid that turns into a four or five star kid, people knew when you were 10 years old that you were special, right? So now mm -hmm. what's been told to you then your entire athletic career, yep. how special you are, how great you are, you're going to the NFL, you're this, you're that, you're 12, and you're already having that yeah. put in your head, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, and then those kids, those those kids get to high school, and in a lot of cases, not all cases, because there's some damn good high school coaches out there, but there's a lot of cases where like that's the best kid who's ever played at that school, hmm. and that coach is just so happy and so lucky that that kid wants to show up on game day. They don't ask anything of them otherwise outside of that, hmm. right? So now that kid hasn't experienced discipline, he hasn't experienced the grind. Just hey, sh show up and ball, and like then you come to college, and guess what? There's 125 guys here that are all you. And that right. reality that reality will punch guys in the face when all of a sudden, like, oh, shit, I'm not special. And you'll see guys' confidence get get, get shaken. And then, like, you got to be able to build that back up, you know? Mm. And trust me, you do get some guys that come in like that, and they're good to go from day one because they're wired that way. They're special. But you do you get mm -hmm. the guys who just haven't experienced the adversity, haven't experienced the setbacks, haven't experienced even just the competition to get out on the field. Mm. So you go from being the best kid anybody in your town's ever seen or ever even heard of, and you're a legend before you've ever even done anything, and you come here and – you are a fifth string guy and you're barely repping on scout team at practice. You want to get, you want to right. get your ego taking a shot, put yourself in those shoes. Right. And some kids yeah. have the ability to hit reset, have the ability to hit reset on their goals and be able to set those new goals and understand those, those watershed moments that have to happen along the way to get all to move where they want to go. But then the guys who really struggle, the guys that can get lost, the guys that don't know how to hit reset on those goals. Like their goal was to get a division one scholarship. When they get here, it's all right, you're here. Now what? You know, and they right. got to be able to, to reformulate a plan and reformulate those goals that push them to get here in the first place. Wow. And that's our job that's is to help those guys do that and identify the guys who are struggling with that. I got to ask you, your, what's your favorite football movie? Because you would be the, <laughs> oh, you would be the expert. What, what's, what's yeah, you know, I, what, the, one that, you know, I'm sure there's one you hate because they got it all wrong. But what's yeah, the best which is, one? Which is, we'll which, is, which is which is probably most of them. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, like if you if you know guy if you know guys who like served in the military and stuff, any military movie that comes on, yeah. they sort of pull their hair out. It's like, oh yeah. my god, that's not what it is. You know, and like right. so that's how I feel when I watch football movies. Now, if you want to go like a football movie that has like a soft spot in my heart because I grew up on it, and this used to be our 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 Friday afternoon rituals. And we used to watch the program, like every single Friday. Oh, say, the yeah. program. say the program. Say the program. Say the program. You know, and, and, and it was like, cause, cause at that age, like 
that's how you feel about football. But then whatever, you get to the NFL, you get to college, and you see the locker room isn't like that. It's not what you think of this, but man, like like just that view of that me growing up with that movie and stuff. You know, you got you had you know Latimer and they're smashing weights. You had you had Alvin Mack, that middle linebacker, that was a savage, like all that stuff. Like you're like that is what that is what you wanted yep. in all the picks. Like that's probably the, the one that like line, still falls the closest to my heart. The, yeah, kill them all. Let the paramedics sort them out. That line was just fuck. That line just changed all of our lives, you know. Yep. Yeah. Nope, it did. It did. So that's probably that's probably that's probably the one. And like, is it is it accurate? No, not at all, really. But like, it's bits and pieces taken out of it. And like, they always say like allegedly like that movie was based upon like the Florida State teams back in the day and whatever. But like, I think that movie is what everybody wants their view of college football to be like. But sure, that's sure, probably right. the one though. What about um, so I, I have a Ron question actually, Ron. I'm doing this one for you because you, I couldn't believe you haven't asked yet. Did you get to select some of the equipment in the gym? Ooh. So I got so I got a really unique situation here. So when we got here, this facility, <laughs> it's like I got a huge budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, trust me. I, 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 well, I had to fight tooth and nail for it, but the, the end result is awesome. So when I got here, this weight room had not been updated since like 2002. Right. And the thing is like, whatever, like a squat rack's a squat rack. You can get just as strong, everything else. But the fact is when kids come in and the equipment in the room is older than they are and probably not as nice as what is in their high school. Well, in the world of recruiting, you got to address that. So we renovated this facility last, uh, last July. So about a, you know, about a year and a half ago. And so literally everything from the floor to the light shining down the floor and everything in between is brand new that we replaced. So was able to, to literally hand select every last piece that you see out here in the weight room. And then as awesome as that is, we've actually designed and we're breaking ground on a new football only facility that we'll break ground on after the season. So I'm going to be able to re revisit that entire process again, this upcoming year, which I already got the, the blueprints and the quotes and like, and you did all your interior decorating of picking out colors and textures and all that kinds of stuff. So like, yeah, we'd be able to redo the entire facility here. Uh, what was Sornex primary for basically 90% of what's out there is all Sornex equipment. Um, those guys do a, I mean, you're not going to find a company that does a better yeah. job than what those guys will do in, in that, in that world of custom training solutions and whatnot. So yeah, we got a fully, fully outfitted room out here that came together really, really well. That's awesome. I, I thought you might've, cause I was looking at your Instagram and there was a video <clears throat> showing the room and you said something like came out even better than I thought. And I'm like, did he get to pick all the shit in that gym? <laughs> every, every, I mean, I'm telling you everything, everything from the floor to the lights and everything in between. That's so. That cool. is amazing. So, See, yeah, Ron, no, it's I awesome. cannot believe you didn't awesome. answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love then they put those. Um, you know, Sorenex will put up those those uh, college gyms that they go in and renovate, and they'll throw the photos mm -hmm. up on Instagram. Yeah. You know, and they just look. They yep. look too perfect. Looks like no one's trained no, in it do. yet. It's all just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. walk, you're like, God, it's, it's, too, it's too pretty to get strong in here. But uh, <laughs> you no, need some they, blood on the like floor. That, 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 <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're equipment just from the the, um, the training flexibility, the the options per square feet and stuff like that. Like you, like that's you know that's and that's the same that's the same manufacturer I'll go with for the for the next room as well, just from their level of customer service. And then you know when I was at Memphis, we had a sore next room there as well that uh, Coach Milo had done before I had got there. So been lucky to be able to be affiliated with those guys for a long time. Awesome. I wanted to ask you, how, how often do you, like, I know you're programming everyone for strength and speed and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but you did mention the word hypertrophy earlier. And I was wondering, 
do you ever like specifically think of hypertrophy because you, someone needs to gain weight? Like, is there, is that ever like, I'm just wondering how that works in, or do you just focus on strength and let the hypertrophy come? No. So typically what we'll try to do is it, it's tough. It's tough sometimes for us to pursue the hypertrophy with like our big compound movements. Cause I mean, you know what it is. I mean, if you're doing, if you're, if you're attacking high volume stuff, especially in regards to lower body, like I, I still have to fit in all the athleticism. Right. And we all know those two things don't always go hand in hand. Okay. So what yeah. you get, which probably makes you guys a skin crawl a little bit, but like you get what ends up being a little bit of a bastardized version of, of attacking hypertrophy. We're like, we'll use it like in a lot of our like auxiliary movements, a lot of our single joint stuff where we're approaching some higher volume. We're using more tempo training, getting more time under tension, stuff like that. Try to help those guys put, try to help those guys putting on some lean muscle mass. Um, there's times a year, like with the squat, with some of those movements, you know, it's like a, like a trap bar deadlift. Cause I wouldn't necessarily conventional deadlift our guys. Um, we're, 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 we'll, t- we'll touch some higher volume like early in the winter when the field work isn't quite as high of a priority or like in our in the kind of low we have from the end of the spring until summer starts in that month of may as usual i'll try to load those guys up with quite a bit of volume um to try to attack those in those small windows um mm. if i had it my way it would be awesome to be able to take a a full block out of the year especially when those guys are freshmen and attack just that because most of those guys like you know, whatever, a bigger muscle is going to be able to be stronger, going to be able to be explosive, those things. But, like, you got to have the time to develop it. It'd be nice to have time to just single out and dedicate it just to that. But it just – that's not the reality of how we train. Because when you look at, like, the way our year looks – so let's say a guy – let's just talk Let's just talk like, like the start of a year, right? So let's say it's June 1st and the summer program starts, okay? So we basically can start your summer program nine weeks before camp starts. Out of those nine weeks, one week has to be off, okay? So you're basically you're looking at an eight-week program right there. Okay. At the end of that eight, eight weeks, you're going to have a couple of days off. You're going to go into camp. Well, you're in camp. So like the way we approach our training during the, you know, four to five weeks of camp is, is, is quite a bit different, obviously, than what you got to do the rest of the year because you're practicing every single day. Okay. After camp gets over, you transition into the in-season. Well, the in-season is, is our longest block of training throughout the year. You know, you're looking at 14 to 15 weeks, depending on how the calendar fits out. But once again, it's the end season. Those guys' best work has to happen on Saturday out there in the stadium, not on Tuesday and here in the squat rack. So you got to right. find the balance of ways to continue to be strong, continue to be explosive without taking too much away from them, let them perform at their highest on the weekend. You know, you come out of the season, you go into bowl prep, you know, and the bowl prep's kind of like a modified in season program because you still get ready to go play a game. Season ends. You know, depending, you know, our academic calendar starts pretty early, so those guys probably have maybe a week to two weeks off after the season. You come back, you start in January, and once again, from January up until the time spring ball starts, you have eight weeks. And then once again, that ends, you're in spring ball. That's about a five-week period of time where it's kind of, you're not really you're not really doing off-season training, but it's not like a full-tilt in-season program, so there's a little bit of a balance. And then after that, you're back to where we started that. So you really only have, on a 52 <laughs> weeks of the year, you really only have 16 weeks where, like, we are training, training. This is the biggest piece of the pie in the program right now. This is our time to accomplish this. The rest of the year, you're balancing out with football. You're balancing out with that. So you really only have that 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 time in the summer and then eight weeks in the winter where, where training is truly, truly king. And the rest of the year, you're you're trying to find that that perfect that perfect line of balance between performance and still progressing in your training. How many days a week uh, at at the peak of it? How many days a week are they hitting? Like with pads on, so, hitting and practice. Yeah. Full contact. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so I right now, like, you look in season. <laughs> yeah. No, it, no, it's, it's changed dramatically. Um, you know, there's no more two a days in camp anymore. 
And then you're also limited to how many days you can go full pads in camp. So you're either going to be full pads or you'd be shells, which is helmets and shoulder pads, or you're just helmets. So like during your, whatever, your 24 practices leading up to your first game, I believe four or five are helmets only. I think six maybe are full pads in your scrimmages and the rest are shells. Um, but then once you get into the season, like we'll have like a, we have, we'll practice on Sundays. That's a pretty short practice. It's helmets only. Uh, Monday's off day. Tuesday and Wednesday are big physical. Those are 25 periods. Those are, those are pack of lunch type days. Uh, Thursday is just a walkthrough day, helmets only. And then Friday we'll go full pads on Fridays, but it's a very short practice. We're all off the field about 60 minutes that day, then play on Saturdays. Hmm. So, but you know, this, this time of year, you're in full pads. Uh, out, of, out of your, you know, out of your six days that you're practicing a week, you're you're in full pads three of those days, and then your fourth being game day. Okay, okay. that's yeah. wild. I know that it it changed a lot over back in the day. They were pretty much hitting every day of the week, weren't they? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you used to be in camp, you'd have a two a day every other day, and you might even have you know what we used to call special teams run through at night, which was a full tilt hour long special teams practice. You know, which <laughs> all fucking full you, contact punt returns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're so now, so now your day with one practice. That's really two. Also, that's so. I I just can't oh, yeah. imagine on the outside looking in, doing your job at the highest level because you have to worry about how your job affects everyone else's job. It's like it would take 20 years to know how to do that. So I don't understand how guys think that they can just come in and want to get paid. Like I've been in the game for 20 years too. I would need another 20 to be able to do what you do. Like I can't, my job is to beat the shit out of people and fuck it. You'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> just yeah, them at, at the same time. Yeah. At the same, at the same time though, you know, if, you, if you'd put that same 20 years on this side of the fence, you would be in the same place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just, that's, the that's what I mean. It's just wild to realize yeah. that. You know, it's it's yeah. a very when when you do, I guess, specialty items, you realize how special everyone's specialty is. Because I don't really oh, care if guys are limping around all week. Who gives a shit? Like you're you're an That's your goal. Don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And the thing is, like, if you, you know, and the thing is, if, if if that same accountant came to me and said, "Hey, I want to do a show in 16 weeks," I'd be like. Fuck, man, you came to the wrong guy. Like, you know, you know, I'm sure just like you guys, you know, people, people hit you up all the time. Like, hey, can you help me write, help me the program? Yeah, sure. I'll program what I program. Like, well, that's not what I do. Well, guess what? It's what I do. And you asked me for the program. Right. So, like, you got to go find the, the coach that suits your needs, too. You know what I mean? Like, right. don't come to me for a program if you don't plan on sprinting and squatting and cleaning and doing those things. Because if you're not doing those things, like, it's not my program anymore. And I'm just writing you a bullshit workout, you know? Um, right. And, but like we all, we all, we all, you know, and same thing, whatever someone that is way, who is a powerlifting coach, well, that's going to be different than bodybuilding, different than what I do too. And that's where like, my deal is a little bit unique. Cause I do, I need, I need a little bit for, to be successful for our guys. I need a little bit of all those things. I need a little bit of powerlifting. I need a little bit of Olympic lifting. I need a little bit of bodybuilding. I need a little bit of strong man. I need, I need a little bit of track and field. You know, I need all those mm -hmm. things to eventually put together the package that I feel is confident to give my guys what they need to get where they need to go. Right. That's awesome. I love it. Well, we don't want to steal too much of your time, man. I told you we'd we'd get you locked here in an hour, but uh, it was awesome. I, I loved getting the insight. No, man, that helped. Uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> I, it's I'm just crazy fascinated to see the by side. how much management, how much management of, you know, I, I guess I thought like strength and conditioning, those guys are very data-driven. This is going to be spreadsheets and recording your max squats and, you know, like results driven numbers. I, and then well, you and sat down and talked about. That's a about, huge, yeah, that's that's a huge part of it too, though. 
that's a huge part yeah. of it too, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like if I get into like what we do from a, from, if I get into like what we do from a sports science standpoint and all that, like that part goes super, super deep. But the thing is, if that is all you are and you're none of the stuff that I yeah. talked about today, you're, you're, you're missing the boat big time, mm. right? Just like if you're only what I talked about today, you're not doing that. You, you gotta be both and you gotta be organized. You gotta be on top of everything because you are it's, it's a lot of guys and it's a very dynamic goal it's a it's a very fluid situation with the way rosters change and whatnot it's like you got to be you got to be on both sides of it all the times so that, and that's what it comes down to you i for me i got to have great guys around me because trust me like dusty knows me like i can't do all this shit myself i'm not mentally equipped for that right i can do what i do and i got to have great people around me to help fill those holes in and, and see those blind spots and fill those gaps and do the shit that i can't yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I, I've fascinating discussion. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. Well, I'm motivated to watch the program one more time just for a time sake. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. I got to make sure I got all my quotes right, you know? Um, but yeah, we did, we did keep you for an hour and, uh, thanks a lot, man. Uh, Josh Storms, uh, strength and conditioning coach for the Florida state Seminoles. Go Seminoles. Is that what you say? Or you go, go Florida yep. state. Go Noles. Go Noles. Go Noles. Go Noles. Go Okay. Okay. Right. That spear on the helmet. I got gotcha. you. That's right. <laughs> okay. I right, appreciate Thanks you, Thanks very much. Good to meet you, man. Cheers. Awesome, guys. Yep. Thank, thank you guys a lot. I appreciate it. Right, you bet. That was awesome. I knew you guys would dig that. It was, it was a shock was, to me, though, when you started great. digging in. Oh, yeah. He was great. So I just, I don't know. I just, like... I, you know, when it, it, those programs are fucking huge, you know, like he's talking about oh, 125 yeah. kids. Cause I mean, like there's 52 players on a roster, isn't there on a full roster? So he's got I a full roster, number, but yeah, he'd, he'd have a full roster. And then he's got like a, probably another full roster of practice squad guys and stuff like that. If he's talking about 125 players, Jesus. So that's just lots that's a lot of guys oh, to manage. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine managing the emotional side, like you said, because you forget about like they're twenty, you know, eighteen to twenty-three years 18, old. Eighteen, yeah, so yeah. much going on. You know, trying to balance from it a, and the skill and oh, damn! You come from a, <laughs> you come from like a, a maybe a, a poor small town, <clears throat> and now all of a sudden you're surrounded by all these hot college chicks, and you're an elite athlete, and you're on the team. Uh oh! You are the team. <laughs> you are the team. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah, you're like the star. You're the fucking yeah. yeah you're yeah. the guy. Oh, oh my god! Oh man, that's wild. Well, I'll they, remind so everybody. He, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to wrap gonna up. Say we want to wrap that they did the um. You know, the one thing that I found interesting that I love that every person who's great at what they do tend to do is downplay. I'm like, mm, yeah. Think about the number of head strength coaches there are in Division One football. Yeah, you have yeah, one yeah. of the hardest jobs on the planet to get. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like and he was like, saying, oh yeah, they they called me. And like he <laughs> like, was saying too, just imagine how many people want that job and are willing to do anything to get it from him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. every day, wild. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Okay, well, remember to like, share, subscribe, comment. Ring the bell. And don't forget our codes, BigRon20 and Dusty20 on IamMutant.com. Hit us up there. That was great. I'm glad we got another interview in the books. No, no doubt. Okay. Remember, everybody, it's just bodybuilding. 
Thank you.